Mike and Jesse talk about sports, the sports cards market, and how to make money with this hobby on sports cards nonsense. They'll let you know who you should be buying and selling and give you the occasional fantasy football advice. Check out Sports Cards Nonsense on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new an improved parlay hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. in early Wednesday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Chistemski right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I hope everybody enjoyed their Monday. I hope you've enjoyed your Tuesday. A lot has transpired. A lot has happened since the last time we have had a conversation. There's been a flurry of NBA free agency. No real juicy, significant, insane signing that, you know, is a jaw-dropping type of moment. You know, we didn't have Kawhi and Paul George joining forces in Los Angeles. We didn't have LeBron joining forces with Bosh and Wade down in Miami or Amari coming to the Knicks. This was kind of like a quieter NBA free agency period. Part of activity, but as far as the big name, this was not a loaded, scintillating free agent class. Before we get to everything that happened, Nick Wise and around the NBA, my goodness, I keep trying to give the Mets the benefit of the doubt in saying that they are going to win this division. It's so bad. They'll find a way to pull through. They've been gritty. They've been resilient. I got to walk it back. We told it like it is, quite frankly, on Sunday night with the Mets playing terribly against the Reds, lucky to win one out of three, lucky to win a couple of games against the Atlanta Braves. Now, you know what you're starting to see? A lot of that good luck is run out. The numbers in many cases in Major League Baseball, they do not lie. Run differential does not lie. Look at the Met run differential. Look at the way they have played from a record standpoint for the better part of two months. They've played lackluster baseball. I thought they'd win on Monday night. Shame on me. I didn't feel good about Tuesday's game. You want to know why I didn't feel good about Tuesday's game? Twofold. One, the Mets don't score. Period. They don't don't score runs. 
They are not good enough on offense. It's four months into this year. I keep waiting for the breakout. I keep waiting for the Mets to go on, you know, the sort of offensive run that they're capable of going on. But it hasn't happened. So sooner or later, it comes to a point where, you know what? Maybe I got to throw up my hands and say, guess what? It ain't going to happen. That was reason one. Reason two, it's Taiwan Walker. I don't know if it's the innings that have caught up with Taiwan Walker. I don't know if it's the fact that he hasn't really had this sort of workload going all the way back to 2017. Some are going to make the argument it's sticky stuff. Who the hell knows? Here's what I do know. He is nowhere close to being the pitcher that he was in the first half of the season. Look at his starts out of the All-Star break. They have been dreadful. Miami is not a good hitting team. They're one of the worst offensive teams in all Major League Baseball. They were beating them up. Way too much hard contact. Simple as that. And it's a major problem for the Mets because you don't have the Grom. You don't have Carrasco to where he needs to be. You didn't make a move for a big pitcher at the deadline. All right, there was maybe one to get. You weren't getting Scherzer. Can't kill the Mets on that. They didn't want to go the extra mile for Barrios. So be it. And you feel like you're an arm short or two. And you feel like you got a lineup that ain't doing the job and that is not performing. So what's the end result? The end result is that the New York Mets are now in a position that they haven't been in in about two, two and a half months. Because the lead in the National League East, it has shrunk. Remember when it was a comfortable Comfortable lead in a National League East for the Mets. Well, now it's only a two-game lead in the loss column with the Phillies. They got a huge series with Philadelphia coming up this weekend. Absolutely gigantic. And the Phillies are starting to play a little bit better, even though I don't trust them. And the Braves, despite not having Acuna, despite not having Soroka, despite the self-inflicted wound from Marcelo Asuna for acting like a complete jackass, the Braves are only two and a half out and three back in the loss column. This is now a hot and heavy division race because the Mets have let these teams back in it. I still have hesitation, and I still have reservations in thinking that the Braves or the Phillies, with all of their faults, are going to win this division. Well, I got to start acknowledging that. And you guys know I love run differential. That it fires me up. Atlanta's run differentials at plus 54 this season. The Mets and the Phillies, negative run differentials. That would scare me because in a lot of cases, over 162 games, those teams with the best run differentials are usually at the top of baseball. Just saying. Miserable night for the Mets. And even after McCann got the hit in the ninth inning, did you have the utmost confidence that they're going to find a way to tie this game? Not with the way they're swinging the bats. Another brutal night for the Mets. They better go and win the next two before they go into Philadelphia. Now, before we get to what was an excellent night for the Yankees after what was a rotten, vile night on Monday night, I want to hit on this NBA free agency stuff from a Knicks standpoint. You're going to look at a lot of the contracts that were thrown out by the New York Knicks, and they're going to just look really ugly. 
because the money that is being thrown out in NBA free agency is absolutely absurd. It is absurd. You see some of the dollar figures that are being thrown out. It's like, holy moly, Nerlens Noel is getting three years at 30 plus million dollars. Um, then you see Alec Burks come back, which I had no problem with because you can never have enough shooting within the NBA. The Knicks go and bring those two guys back. I wasn't really stunned. They try to finagle some extra cap space. They don't re-sign Reggie Bullock. And you're thinking, all right, they're going to make a move. What is it going to be? You know full well this is not a loaded free agent class. They go and get Evan Fournier, formerly of the Orlando Magic, formerly of the Boston Celtics, one of France's standouts in the Olympic Games, and they go and give him a deal over four years that can be up to $78 million. Now, you want to know my first reaction when I saw that contract? I was on the golf course. I go, you got to be kidding me. Because Fournier has never been one of those guys that wows you. I know he's skilled. I know he's a terrific shooter. He does not play a lick of defense. And I wonder how he, alongside Tom Thibodeau, are going to be able to, dare I say, work it out. I get the point with these NBA contracts. And I saw this on Twitter last night. JJ, these contracts are movable. It's not a huge deal. Ba, 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 ba. All well and good. Am I in love with having Evan Fournier on my team for the next four years at that price? Absolutely not. My fear with the Knicks, if a trade is not coming, they're trying to run it back. Basically with the same team. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not going to be throwing bouquets the way of Fournier and saying that he is some you know crazy difference maker that's going to take the Knicks to another level. Let's calm down with that. He'll be able to shoot the ball. He ain't going to play a lick of D. And I wonder if he's going to have the toughness to play for Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, I think that's a fair question to have. You're telling me Evan Fournier on this team last year is a difference maker against the Atlanta Hawks? Ask yourself that question. To me, the answer is no. So I am trying to figure out, and I give this regime the benefit of the doubt because I love what Leon Rose has done. I love what Tom Thibodeau has done. I know they, in their heart of hearts, believe a big move at some point is going to have to happen. Whether that's, I don't know, Dame Lillard, Pipe Dream. Whether that's Colin Sexton, whether that's De'Aaron Fox, the sort of legitimate point guard that you need. And there wasn't really a guy out there in free agency at that particular spot that was going to be the guy for the Knicks. So I don't want to make this out to be, well, the Knicks should have signed this guy or that guy. Because I don't, I don't really see it that way. I'm just wondering, and I'm really just hoping and praying more than anything, that the Knicks are not delusional enough in thinking that they are much better than they actually are. That is my fear more than anything else. That they are going to put toe to, you know, a 46-47 win team that doesn't have a prayer of beating the top teams within the Eastern Conference. With Leon Rose, the World Wide West there, they're star power type guys. So I don't expect that to be the case. But that's the fear with these contracts. That's the fear. Aside from that, I mean, it was basically status quo for the Knicks. Now, I love the fact that Carmelo Anthony is going to the Lakers. And good for Carmelo, by the way. I love Carmelo. I think he got a raw deal with the Knicks. Yes, he was not perfect. Yes, he's a flawed superstar. That guy 
gave a rat's ass. He busted his butt. He wanted to be a Nick when many other players did not want to be Knicks. I got no ill will towards Carmelo. And listen, Carmelo is taken to another stratosphere in this household because he led my alma mater, Syracuse, to a national championship. Carmelo made no sense on this team. What, does Carmelo want to be on a team that's going to be a sixth seed or a seventh seed in the Eastern Conference? Or he could go play with his buddy LeBron James. And I can't stand the Lakers, and I can't stand LeBron, but not going to lie, if Carmelo goes and wins a ring next year, I'm going to be very happy for Carmelo because I think he deserves it. I think he's one of those guys that's put his time in in the NBA. Go play on one of the favorites. What is the point of you coming to the Knicks where this team is at and coming to play for them? So I saw that earlier today. Very happy, quite frankly, that Carmelo ended up in Los Angeles. Good for him. The Bulls making all sorts of crazy moves. They're getting DeMar DeRozan for crazy money. They get my dude Lonzo Ball for crazy money, assuming there is no match that goes on. And I think Chicago's going to like Lonzo Ball. Got crazy money. But that's the going right for these contracts within the NBA. You almost have to take yourself out of the equation for a second before you see some of the money that's being thrown out there and realize, hey, the cap keeps going up, the revenues are crazy high, and this is what the contracts are going to be. Like, I have to do that. I make that mistake. So the Bulls, we'll see if their free agent spending spree works out. I think they'll max out as like a four or five seed. They're looking to win around a young core. They're looking to build around Levine. They're looking to build around Vucevic. I don't hate it. I would have liked Alonzo Ball as a Nick. Didn't go down that road, and he wanted to be in Chicago. So from that standpoint, it is what it is. Now, we got all that going on. Mets, all the free agency stuff. What a tale of two nights for the New York Yankees. Think about Monday. Off the sweep of the Marlins. Play the best baseball I've seen from the Yankees all year, basically. They're playing the awful Orioles. Andrew Heaney gets rocked. I mean, he's basically throwing batting practice. The Yankees grounding a bunch of double plays. LeMayu can't elevate the ball. The highlight of the game is the dopey cat that would have scared the living daylights out of me uh, running around in center and left field. And the Yankees get whooped. But to make matters worse, Garrett Cole tests positive for COVID. Got vaccinated. Doesn't matter. Still positive. Out for 10 days. That's bad. Then I find out Tuesday, oh, Montgomery now has COVID. Great. Great. So all this is going on with the Yankees just as I'm about to get suckered back in in a major way. So I found my way to Yankee Stadium on Tuesday night. And I was very, very curious to see what this youngster, Mr. Gill, was going to bring to the table because he is one of the more highly touted Yankee prospects. It's like five or six in the system. The Yankees claimed he wasn't ready. Okay, fine. But the Orioles are not any good. Luis Gill was super impressive. And I get it. It's the Orioles. I don't want to get nuts. Six shutout innings, attacking hitters, nasty stuff. That was eye-opening. Riddings, the other kid they brought in. Where was he when I was at Fenway Park a few weeks ago? I got to watch that stiff, crispy bounce like four wild pitches. This kid's coming in throwing 101 miles an hour. And it looks nasty. I'm not going to say that I know more about the Yankee prospects than they do. I'm not scouting them. But just watching that today, I was like, well, where the hell was this two weeks ago? That's what you call pick-me-up performance from a couple of young pitchers who, guess what? I want to see more of over the next couple of days 
And the Yankees are going to need some guys to step up. No Cole, no Montgomery. You got to figure for at least two or three starts. Two starts if everything's okay. Three starts if everything's not okay. The pennant race does not care about COVID. COVID does not care about the pennant race. You got to find a way to make through. You got to find a way to win. And then the Yankee bats just, just pound the Orioles. That's what they should do when they're playing the Orioles. What a concept. Well, may you elevate in the ball. Judge and Stanton hitting home runs in meaningless situations, but you take it. Good night for everybody. And Rizzo continues to rake. I mean, what else is new? The guy's on base a bunch. He's making great plays in the field. He's got all these RBIs. The guy's a winner. But the Yankees had a lot of things go their way on Tuesday night. Even with this COVID news, they get a win. The Red Sox lose. The Rays lose as we're doing this podcast right now. The Oakland A's are losing to the San Diego Padres. Got to get fat on this homestand. I can't stress that enough. The Yankees need to get fat on this homestand. Minimum five and two. You can't lose Wednesday to Harvey and the Orioles. And you got to take three out of four from the Mariners. I don't know how you're going to do it from a pitching standpoint, but you got to find a way. The young hurlers, Gill, Riddings, call me impressed. Super, super impressed. Loaded show from free agency to the Mets seeing that division leave go bye, bye, bye. Potentially Yankees trying to make the postseason. There's a lot going on. And we're like a month out from football season. So when we come back, voicemails, we'll welcome in an old pal of mine. We're playing golf in a few weeks. The great Brandon Tierney, BT from Tiki and Tierney, who's a, a Brooklyn guy. So anytime you give him an opportunity to chop it up and do a little local stuff, he's going to be fired up. Uh, we got our trivia to get to. We'll see if I can have better success than I did last week. I mean, the ball right now is just so low that you figure there's no way to go but up. And oh, by the way, little fisticuffs, the giant camp. Voicemails, your reaction, all the craziness. It's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, folks, voicemail time right out of the gate. You want to get in touch with the show, very easy. 917-382-1151. Very easy, very simple. And I expect the Yankee fan to be in very good spirits. The Met fan is not going to be in good spirits. Curious to see how the Nick fan feels about their particular team. And we're going to do a Spotify green room Saturday, I have decided. After Yankee matinee against the Mariners, after Met Philly at 4 o'clock, around 7, 7.30, right around there, we'll do our weekly Spotify green room after the Saturday night shenanigans. So we'll see how that transpires. Probably be 7, 8, you never know with baseball. Very curious to see, Stefan, where these will take us, my friend. Let's hit it with a big way. What do we got? 
JJ, what's up, man? It's Will from Manhattan. Listen, tough times for the Mets right now. Really, really dark times. Certainly won't sugarcoat it. Just watch that pathetic loss to the Marlins, hoping that it doesn't happen again tonight. Um, I'm definitely not going to sugarcoat the shit situation that this team's in right now. But listen, I just got to say, I'm completely, completely nonplussed to say the least, by these Doomer and negative-ass Mets fans that keep calling into your show, talking like their mother just died, uh, about this first-place team that's been in first place for over 70 games. Uh, the longest stretch of any first-place team in Major League Baseball, by the way. And all they want to talk about is how this season's over. It's all going to be over. They're going to lose in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. This is the worst Mets season ever. This is incredible. This is literally why we can't have nice things. I mean, honestly, what is the point of being in first place if all you're going to do is talk about how shitty the team is, how they're going to lose to everybody in the playoffs, and, and not enjoy the experience of being in first place? Last time I checked, we're still in first place. We're still two-plus games over, and this season has 60 games left. So plenty of time for the Mets to get hot, change things around. Hey, even if we lose first place, that's not a big. That's not a big deal, you know. These, these fans that say, "Don't give me that we're in first place," as if that's some kind of insult, you know. The the point is to enjoy first place and to hopefully keep first place. So, I for one am personally choosing to believe in the talent on this roster. I think the Mets have more talent than anybody in the NL East. Period. And sixty games is plenty of time for them to make a turnaround. So, hoping it starts tonight. Win streak starts tonight. Let's fucking go, Mets. Thanks, bud. Great show. You're trying to preach the positivity. Listen, you are one of the few because a whole lot of Mets fans are beaten. You're absolutely right about that. For a team that is in first place, it is strange how the fan base over the last few weeks has really gotten in a very vile and negative mood. But you know what? It shouldn't surprise me. I say I'm surprised, but it shouldn't surprise you. When teams lose, this is what happens. The Mets right now have lost a whole lot of games. And it's not just that they're losing. It's the way they are losing these games. They can't score runs. Their pitching is regressing. And it's not a small sample size. That's glass half empty. It's not a small sample size, folks. This is about six to eight weeks of bad baseball. If you're in any other division, you're in a whole lot more trouble. In this division, you're still... By a thread, hold on to the division. Go win the next two games. Cut the nonsense. Win the next two games and be ready for Philadelphia. And that's the biggest series the Mets are going to play, at least up to this point in 2021. Three games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Citizens Bank Park. Mets got to be ready to play. Who's up next? What's up, JJ? It's Matt in New City, New York. I got to admit, this team does this to me all season. It's like the Godfather 3, man. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back. After the dreadful performance last night, you get a game like this. You got a rookie pitcher, six innings of shutout ball. You got Stanton blasting the ball all over the field. You got Glaber hitting. But this is what we've seen all year. But... I'm excited. A win's a win. This is what I was expecting for this series. And you know what? I happen to agree with you. If they go 5-2 and two in this homestand, I'm very happy. So you know what? You go out. You take care of business tomorrow. You win your two out of three. And you move on to Seattle. So a win's a win. Good night in the Bronx. 
and I uh, got to keep it going. Love the show. Love you, bro. Bye. I appreciate that. And I got to say, I've gone to a whole lot of miserable Yankee games this season. I feel like the only time I get a win is when I bring my buddy, the great CJ Pepe with me. I mean, that's the only time I could get a win. So, you know, if we go up to Fenway again in September, I may have to pay for his ticket. I may have to get him a media credential. I, I don't know if I can pull such strings, but uh, he's brought me good juju. He came to the Astro game with me. Yankees got to win. He came with me on Tuesday night. Yankees got to win. Tuesday is exactly what it should be against a team like the Orioles. You beat the living daylights out of them. And I'm going to say this about Gill's performance. It's the Orioles. So I'm not going to say now definitively after one start, this guy can help the Yankees down the stretch because you got to cool the Jets on that. We've seen guys have dominant debuts and fall flat on their face the next time they're out there. But if I'm going to judge this performance, it's not even the lineup he was facing. It's the way he went about his business. That, to me, what was impressive. He attacked hitters. He didn't mess around. His stuff played. The off-speed pitches. Nasty. I'm very intrigued to see what he's going to do in his next start. And I know they just sent him down to AAA. Roster maneuvering nonsense. They got a bunch of games in a row. I got to figure Luis Gill is going to make a start Sunday against the Seattle Mariners. Maybe the Yankees do catch a little lightning in a bottle but I need a lot more than one start. But this was an impressive start. And the two Yankee kids that I saw through six innings and then the kid through the seventh inning or the eighth inning, whatever the hell it was, it was like, whoa, this is some nasty, nasty pitching that I could have used over Nick Nelson and Brooks Krisky. Just saying. I mean, from Gill and Riddings, nine strikeouts in seven innings, whole lot of nasty heat. It's fun to watch. Who's up next? JJ, Charlie, and Elmhurst. Uh... I, I want two things for the Yankees to do while this fiasco chaos that is going on. I mean, Urshela going IL, Carvalhon. I mean, Cole and Montgomery on the, what is that, virus protocol. I mean, don't get me started with that. With the acquisition they got, Rizzo and Gallo. Rizzo, my man, let's go. They, I mean, with the, the cupcakes during the midst of the cupcake city schedule, got to score once. Got to score once. They didn't. 13. I'm not asking for 13 every game, but got to score more than like, you know, during the late from previous 10 game road trip. Can't, I mean, for no more than, uh, I mean, no less than four runs. Got to score more than that during this midst of the easy portion of the schedule. Two, I don't know. You hear the, the, around the interviews from the GM, Cashman. And one thing that really just blew up my mind. Brett Gardner is the best option in center field. Is he watching the game? Is he watching the game? I mean, are you kidding me? That is the most insulting thing you're going to hear from uh, a, a tone-deaf general uh, that is Cashman. Tone-deaf. Is he blind? Brett Gardner's finished. He's finished. He's done. He's toast. He should not be playing. And you go in the straight out the face. You go on a straight face to say Brett Garner is the best option in center field. Get, get lost. Get lost. Get lost with that shit. Greg Allen in center field. Got to get him playing every day. You saw that? And Brett Garner's done. Greg Allen center, Greg Allen center field. If you're going to play Gardner once a week, fine. But best option in center field? I don't know what the hell is he smoking. What the hell is he sniffing? 
I don't think that's an unreasonable take at all. Um, Greg Allen's a better option for the Yankees than Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner's been a good Yankee. He's had a lot of great moments in the uniform. He's an easy guy to root for. I understand why the Yankees are not like DFAing him. He means too much to the clubhouse. He means too much to the organization. They're not going to do that. I'm not suggesting that they do. But to Charlie's point, Greg Allen needs more burn. He's speedier. He's a switch hitter. And he's flat out playing better. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Allen needs more at-bats. So when I watch a Yankee game Wednesday against Matt Harvey, guess what? Craig Allen should be in center field. And the Yankee lineup, to your point, has got to step up over the next week. You don't have Cole. You don't have Montgomery. You don't have Herman. Now, Severino's close. Made a rehab start on Tuesday. I got to figure they're going to let him make one more rehab start before he's up here. So if he makes another rehab start on, what, Sunday? then maybe you can have Severino pitch in one of those games against Chicago, which would be great. Maybe he pitches the uh, the Field of Dreams game for all I know. But while these guys are coming back off the COVID list or Herman's coming back from injury, you can't expect to win games three to one or two to nothing. You got to be able to score. And the guys who are in the rotation, specifically Tyone, Heaney, Cortez, they got to pitch well. A little bit more pressure on him. Who's next? Hey, John. This is Mike from the Bronx. I don't understand the apathy of Knicks fans surrounding free agency. The best thing that Tibbs did last year was establish a winning culture and a way to work. The most important thing they had to do in year two is to maintain that culture and build from it. And as far as I'm concerned, what they did was upgrade a shooting guard. You get rid of Elf. You see what the rookies have, and you continue to grow with the young players. I think it's going to be a really good year, and they're going to get any be- just even better. See ya. Well, I hope you're right on that. The problem is, I think they put over the heads last year. I don't think they're one of the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. They're going to play hard every night. That's a symbol. That's a calling card of this head coach and teams that he's had for years in the NBA. I understand Nick fans showing you some apathy towards an Evan Fournier signing or bringing back Noel and Burks basically for more money. To me, it's a very uninspiring run in free agency. It's not the end of the world. It's not a killer. It's not one of those poison pill type of contracts that would kill you. But like, am I pounding my chest as a Knicks fan saying, oh, baby, we got Evan Fournier? No, no. You're not going to get me doing that throughout the streets of Brooklyn. The Knicks need to make a trade. Now, I don't know when that trade's coming. I don't know if it's coming this summer. I don't know if it's coming in February. They obviously have the flexibility to do so. That, to me, is how they're going to take the next step as a franchise. They're not there yet. They'll be competitive. They'll be a playoff team, but don't expect anything more than that. With the way this team is currently assembled, that's kind of the end game that you're at, which is okay as long as you are thinking about the bigger picture and what, that next move may be. And it does take time. Think about it. It took the Clippers a couple years to kind of lay the groundwork before they made the move for Kawhi Leonard. And then they go and get Paul George at the exact same time. So it'll come. As long as you are a cool place to play basketball and you're doing things the right way and you know, you're generating buzz, players and people around the NBA, agents, they see what's going on. Trivia time. We 
didn't feel great the last couple of weeks. This is now a Tuesday and a Wednesday staple. It is now going to be a regular part of the show. And listen, I want to perform better. You guys know I'm a competitive SOB. You know I want to win. You know I want to get the better of you guys and gals whenever I have the opportunity to do so. So I'm very curious to see what's in store for me this week. And hopefully you guys, from my sanity and my standpoint, you take it easy. JJ, Larry in Florida. I got two trivia here tonight for you. First one is, what MLB team has won 11 in extra inning games this year? The second one is, Emmett Smith was drafted 17th overall in the 1990 draft. Which two players take before him made the Hall of Fame? Both were, both were defensive players. I'm out. All right, Larry. Two good questions. Two very, very tough questions. Now, the extra inning answer. I'm not going to say it's a really bad team. Now, I'm probably making a mistake by going down this road. I'm probably making a mistake. However, however, I'm going to say that the Yankees are the team that has won an 11 in extra innings. I don't think they've played 12 extra inning games this year, but I'll be honest with you, dude. I don't got anything else, and I know they've lost a bunch of extra inning games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice there with number one. Now the question with Emmett Smith, I mean that's a doozy. So two Hall of Fame players, defensive players, 1990 draft. So you got to think about guys who ended up being Hall of Famers that played throughout the 1990s. I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you the late great. Derek Thomas of the Kansas City Chiefs. The other one I'm going to give you is Derek Brooks. I'm not as confident with Derek Brooks, but I'm like thinking about NFC guys. You know who's the other one I could throw in there if it's not Derek Brooks? Maybe it was John Randall. I'm going to stick with my guns here. Actually, I'm going to audible. Am I allowed to audible in trivia? The hell with it I'm allowed to audible in trivia. Can't be Derek Brooks. I don't think he came into the league that early. He was probably like 92, 93, 94. So I am going to omit my Derek Brooks answer. This is how I think on the fly. And I'm going to give you John Randall, the former Minnesota Viking. Question two. So I have two trivia questions here. Let's see a question two. Hey, JJ, Sean from Long Island here. Listen, first off, I want to thank you. I'm fresh off. I took a one-week-long vacation for a friend's wedding to Hawaii. So your pod made the 15-hour plane ride a lot more easy, so I appreciate you on that. While I was in Hawaii, man, listen, I went to the whole gamut of Kona Brewing, and now you're into them. Gold Cliff IPA, far and away, my favorite one. Gold Cliff IPA on the Kona. I also played uh, nine holes at the Mackay Golf Club in Princeville on the island of Kauai. My man, you got to get out there. I'm actually calling for something to JJ. I know the first one was a bit of a layup, but for this one, I like this question. MLB, teams that have gone back to back to back to back, four straight home runs. I believe it's been done only 10 times in history. There's one player that was part of two different times this happened. Only one player has been a part of back to back to back to back home runs for two different teams. I'll give you a little hint. We're the same age. It was in our lifetime, and I think this guy had a fascinating career. Thanks so much, JJ. Hope you're well, man. Take care. That is a really, really good question. Back to back to back to back home runs. And anytime I think of that, 
I think of watching a 2007 Yankees Red Sox game where Chase Wright just imploded at Fenway Park. And I saw four bombs leaving Fenway and I heard my old roommates basically banging on the door and the room next door. I was like, guys, shut up. I'm not in the mood for this shit. So the guess I'm going to throw out, and I don't feel great about this. These are some very, very tough questions today. Very, very tough questions. If I get one, even a little partial credit with the Derek Thomas answer, I'll be happy because I don't feel good about any of these. I'm going to say Michael Ole. Florida Marlin, Boston Red Sox. I know he was one of the guys to hit the full home runs on that particular day. That's going to be my guess. I don't feel great about any of these. Let's hear a couple answers. Larry. The extra inning answer is definitely wrong. I think it's the Yankees. The other two, the Emmett Smith question with the Hall of Famers, Derek Thomas, John Randall. How did we do, buddy? Unfortunately, you got both of those wrong, JJ. Do you nice. want to take another yeah, I, stab no, at I, no, I really don't, to be honest with you, because I felt like I gave it my best guess, 1990s. Hall of Famers, defensive players. Jeez. I, uh, All right. So you were in the right direction with defensive players, right? Okay. One was in the AFC. One was in the NFC. Okay. Actually, I'll give you a hint. One of hint. them played for your beloved Miami Dolphins at one point. At one point, played for the Miami Dolphins, Hall of Fame defensive player. Wow. I'm annoyed I don't know this. Don't tell me right now. Now that it's a Dolphin, I'm very annoyed, Stefan, that I do not know this. Played for the Dolphins at one point. Oh, geez. And defense, we're talking about a defensive player, correct? Defensive player, Hall of Fame caliber guy, and he played for the Dolphins. All right, so it's, it's not Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor got drafted in 1996. It's not Zach Thomas. It's not Brian Cox. I got no idea, Stefan. I'm going to be annoyed about this all night. Who is it? All right. So your two guys, one was Junior Seau. That's right, Junior. You know, I forgot Junior Seau for a year or two was a Dolphin. The late, great Junior Seau. Wow. Well and your done. other one was Cortez Kennedy. I would have never in a million years got Cortez Kennedy. I'm annoyed that I didn't get Junior Seau because right. it makes sense. He did play for the Dolphins for one or two years. Uh, you know what it is with Junior Seau? I thought he got drafted a lot sooner than 1990. I thought he was in the league for a way longer period of time. So that's neither here nor there. Now, question two, the team in extra innings, I know it's not the Yankees. So uh, who the hell has that awful record in extra innings so far this year? That would be the Los Angeles Dodgers at 1-11 in extra inning games. That is crazy. You know, I know the Dodgers have lost their fair share extra inning games this year. They're 1-11? Wow. Could you imagine if the Dodgers were 500 in some of those extra inning games? They'd be running away with the National League West. Okay. Now, Sean's question. Very, very tough question. I threw the guess out there, and I'm jealous, by the way. He's out in Hawaii. He's playing golf. He's hanging at the Kona Brewery. I mean, that sounds like a perfect trip, if you ask me. And, of course, he's listening to New York, New York, because that's what you do. It doesn't matter if you travel. It doesn't matter if you're home. 
You listen to the podcast. That's what we do. The guess I threw out, Stefan, because it was a modern-day player, was Mike Wall. I don't think that's right. Yeah, a whole lot of whiffs for me today. I mean, I'm 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. I'm having okay. a Giancarlo Stanton-esque kind of day, Stefan. Oh, I will give you another shot at it, JJ. Mike Lowell, it wasn't him, but it was another Boston Red Sox. Do you want to take a shot at it? Another Red Sox. Ooh. Interesting career. I'm not going to say Manny, it's too obvious. I'm not going to say Poppy, it's too obvious. Here's going to be my guess. Kevin Euclid. Mm. Not Kevin Euclid. I tried. Uh, it's okay. You I tried getting two cute. good swings at it. I'm taking Man. one more. I'm taking one more. I'm like, I like it. The ball. I love Let's it. Let's moving. go. Let's go. You uh, get three strikes before you're out. Let's I'm try taking, it. Jay I'm Jay. taking one more. I'm not saying Manny and I'm not saying, oh, I think I know. Dustin Pedroia. Mm. Well, I, again, Sean and Larry. Making me look bad. Stefan, put me out of my misery, please. What's the answer? J.D. Drew. Did it in 2006 with the Dodgers and in 2007 with the Red Sox. Yep. Going up against the Yankees. And J.D. Drew, remember, number one pick. Refused to go to Philadelphia. Ended up in St. Louis. Had some decent years in St. Louis. Was a Dodger for a little bit. But the Red Sox paid him a ton of money. He had a terrible first year with the Red Sox. Always forgiven, though, because in game six of the ALCS, down 3-2, Grand Slam put the game out of its misery. Like, I'm getting put out of my trivia misery. And the Red Sox ultimately ended up winning that World Series. So you guys did an outstanding job. And remember, you will be able to stump me. And it doesn't take much to stump me, I guess, these days. Every Tuesday and Wednesday, that is going to be a part of our show. So. Tuesday to Wednesday, I don't like Stump the JJ. I've decided I'm I'm out on that name. We could do better. I'm open to suggestions on what we should name our trivia segment, but I'm enjoying it once a week. So, job well done. When we come back, our buddy, our pal, he's a New Yorker through and through. He does national radio with Tiki Barber, Brandon Tierney, BT, coming up next. So, I couldn't book the jet coach, Robert Sala. So I figured we'd do the next best thing. This guy loves this New York sports. Brooklyn guy through and through. We had a whole lot of fun in the old newsroom back in the day from Tiki and Tierney, CBS Sports Radio. My dude, BT, Brandon Tierney. What's up, BT? Hey, GA. What's happening, buddy? How you doing today, man? BT, doing well. I want to start here, bro, because you love New York sports. You're a Yankee guy. You're a Jet guy. You're a Nick guy. And I was thinking this, actually, randomly. I knew I was having you on. Thinking this as I'm walking to get coffee. What's BT's number one team? Because I think I have an answer. I'm not positive it's the right answer. So I'm going to start here right out of the gate. Like, when I think BT, I think Knicks. Is that crazy? It's not crazy. Uh, You know, I've been asked that a lot. And it's it's a tough one. I think the way I answer it now, and and this isn't a cop-out. I really do mean this, but... I think what's happened is, especially going from from local to national, which I did a while ago now, I, I, ju- I think I just, it's like a quarterback clock when you know you got to bounce from the pocket. I, I have this internal clock when when the season starts for each of those teams, St. John's too, uh, although I'm working St. John's, so it's a different energy and it's a different, uh, it's a different workload, but you, you left out the Johnnies on the list. 
it's uh, it, I almost hate to say because it, it sounds so contrived, but really whatever season it is. But I, I got to get I get that, bro. I get you know that because, listen, I feel the same way. When it's baseball season, it's Yankees. When yep. it's football time, it's Dolphins. When it's hoops, it's Syracuse and the Knicks. I get it, bro. All right, let me let me change that and rephrase it. If one were to win a title, and we're taking the Yankees out of this now because yep, you've yep. seen a bunch of those, what would mean the most to BT? I think given the torturous nature of my Jet fandom, all right, I think most people would think that I'm about to say the Jets, but I'm going to say the Knicks. Let's say the Knicks for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you win an NBA championship, you're on, not that I would know, but, you know, watching all these other teams win, you're on a multi-month journey. You know, first round, conference semis, conference championship, NBA finals. You know, and, and having been, uh, I was early in college during the 94 season. As a matter of fact, I was up at Marist taking a, uh, a summer class. And, you know, it, it's it's the, the length of the ride is, is not replicated like like during a Super Bowl run. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know, to go like at this point, 15 and two or 13 and four or 14 and three, you know, and host a conference championship game. And to me, it's unfathomable uh, because of where I've been the, for the past decade, if not my whole life. But the Knicks, you know, it, it, the Knicks are just they're a galvanizer. and. You know, and the city a, unites around him, BT. I mean, you saw that last year. I mean, the whole city, yeah. the Knicks are a fourth oh. seed. It felt like they won the title, for goodness sakes. Oh, my God. The place was popping. It was electric. And I, I know that, you know, all these cliches, you can cut the energy with a knife. And, you know, the, the, the Mecca, there's nothing like the Garden. But that was a reminder, even though the Knicks didn't play well at all. Uh, we really probably should have been broomed. And, and the Hawks were a much better team. You, you just got, you know, for those younger fans who have heard nothing but uh, moans and boos and chance for so-and-so to get fired. You know, it was a not-too-subtle reminder that when, when this place is popping, there's no other joint that can that can match the energy. Now, the, the other thing about the Knicks is that, and you know this, I don't know, let's say there's 60% of the city's giant fans, 40% Jet fans, right? The city, I, I, met, I know the Nets have got a little piece of the pie, but let's, let's call it for what it is. It's still 90-10 or 85-15. So, you know, if and when the Knicks ever win, again, it's a multi-month journey with millions upon millions, with the whole city, basically, as a way to cut it down. Unlike the Jets, where, don't get me wrong, uh, I'd be at the game, I'd have tears in my eyes, it would be incredible, but I'd have to say the Knicks. I'd say the Knicks. How do you feel about yesterday? I mean, listen, I wasn't delusional. I didn't think the Knicks were going to make some like crazy out of body type of free agent move. Yeah. Um, they're basically running it back with the same team. I think they overpaid for Fournier, but that's NBA money. Everybody's getting overpaid. Don't you get the sense though, BT, a trade's coming? I, I, I don't get the sense the Knicks look at what they had, look at that first round against Atlanta and basically say, all right, this is our squad. This is what we're moving forward with. I yeah. know you love Colin Sexton. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I get the sense, bro, a trade like that is going to be coming down the pike as opposed to the Knicks just saying, all right, this is our team. We're running it back and away we go. I I'm with you. Or De'Aaron Fox, which would be sick. Either or would be awesome, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Listen, the way you feel about what the Knicks did really <laughs> – is connected to how much you know basketball. Like, I mean, if, if you're one, if you're a delusional fan and you're expecting um, whatever you expected yesterday to elevate the Knicks from, you know, let's face it, even as a four seed, that was an overachievement. 
I viewed the Knicks team last year at a full 82-game slate, uh, maybe where other teams didn't have injuries. I thought the Knicks team probably more like a six seed a year ago. So knowing that, you understand that there wasn't one swift move to elevate them from you know that level to championship status. It, it, it's just not there, you know, unless you get a Damian Lillard. But at, that, at what point do you have to gut the roster? Is it you know Carmelo Anthony 2.0 where you get the superstar and you ha- and he's got nobody to play with? Otherwise, it's the Portland Knicks or the New York Blazers, which would make a whole lot of sense. So I, I do think what it reinforces, the fact that, that no, no, the fact that the guys came back. Derrick Rose could have gotten a contract somewhere else. Same with Noel. These guys, are, I like Burks, actually. I think he's a pretty good player. You could shoot it too, BT. You shoot yeah, in this he, NBA, you got to roll on a team, bro. Oh, there's no doubt. And the fact that they replace uh, Fournier with, with uh, pardon me, Bullock with Fournier, granted about $7, $8 million more per year. Fournier is a better player. Uh, I, I think it shows that the Knicks that were on the team a year ago understand what's happening, and that's that a, a, a culture of desire has been put in place. Nobody's fleeing. Nobody's running away from. See, there were there were two races back in the day. The first race was you know the B minus player running to the Garden to get overpaid because the Knicks were desperate. That didn't really happen. Yeah, I know Fournier probably a little bit much, but he's solid. The other race that was happening was the guys that were free to bolt were saying, get me the hell out of here because it's a zoo. You know, going back to the early 2000s, Isaiah Thomas, blah, blah, blah. So I I think that they finally eradicated. I know that they've eradicated that. And they put themselves in a position, you know, start the season. You got to get some more growth from Barrett. You know, we'll see what what Randall could do now with a target. You got some interesting point guard options, no stars, but, uh, you know, bodies that are better than what they had a year ago. You run it back and you're still in a position based on the draft equity that you've retained. And what I view as manageable contracts to go and be in the market for a Sexton, for a Lillard, for a De'Aaron Fox. I don't love it because they're not a championship team, but I get it and I like it. Gut feel. Randall and what he did last year. Is that sustainable in your eyes? Uh, I don't think it's going to have to be quite that sustainable. I, I do think he surprised some people. There's no doubt surprised about it. Surprised me, BT, because he was good. a stud at Kentucky. I love them. But you know the deal, bro. You watch a lot of NBA basketball, empty statistics, played yeah. on a lot of losing teams. Bro, we're not watching him every night. Watch him every night. Dude, you fall in love with the guy. He's busting his ass. He's yeah. giving you everything he's got. And yeah. then in the playoffs, he just ran out of gas. So I just hope that's not a sign of things to come. Oh, me too. Uh, and he's going to listen. One thing about two things about Julius, he's a worker. Well, really, he, number one, he's a worker. Number two, he wants to be here. And, you know, he recognizes deficiencies in his game. You know, to make that jump from, you know, a below average three point shooter, shooter to a borderline elite one is uh, you're getting up a thousand shots a day. I mean, it's, it's called sweat equity. There's no shortcut. You know, think about when, when you and I were growing up, even if you weren't a star, you know, the summer was used to work on a weakness. You can't use your left hand. You can't finish with your left hand. You don't have any range on the jump shot. You're a weak rebounder. You got to tighten up the body. Uh, for me, it was more about baseball. But you, you you just try to close the gap in terms of what you don't do well. Now, it might not become an absolute strength, but as long as it's no longer a deficiency, you know, you can make that jump from good player to consistent all-star. I don't think that he's necessarily second team All-NBA next year. Do I think that he suddenly shoots 32% from downtown uh, and his PER drops to 17? No. And what he's learned to do 
and this is a testament to the coaches, but really him and his teammates, so really everybody, is that, and this speaks to watching somebody every night. He's become a facilitator, man. Oh, no doubt. Like, you know, JJ, you talk about empty stats, and every NBA team's going to score 100 points, so somebody's got to get 20-something, right? But he was getting double, and at times triple teamed, and, and not only making the willing pass, but making the smart pass. So I, I saw a, a, a level of aptitude to his game that, quite frankly, I didn't know existed. I mean, I'm all in Randall. If, if the Knicks announced today, you know, we've given Randall a max contract, not that they need to because they've got the extra year. But, like, I'd be like, great, this guy wants to roll with us, and I want to roll with him. Let's go. Are you excited from a Jets standpoint in the sense that new coach, new quarterback, but low expectations, BT? Let's think about this for a minute. If the Jets go and win six games this year, quarterback plays pretty well. Team looks like they're competent. Like, I think about what the Dolphins were. The expectations are higher for the Jets than what they were with the Dolphins and Flores two years ago. But I watched the team every week. I was like, holy shit. They got a plan. They get after it. Brooklyn is in the house, and he's getting the most out of every single one of these guys. And I'm in. I see they have laid the groundwork. I feel like from a Jets standpoint this year, you can kind of have that approach. Like, you don't have to go into the year thinking, oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. Playoffs. Like, I think it's kind of a fun stage to be at. I don't want to look at the last 10, 11 years because I know since Rex, there hasn't been a whole lot of winning. But in many ways, BT, I can't look at the failed prior regimes and, like, attach that stigma to what you have with your new coach and your new quarterback. Is that fair? That's incredibly fair, and it's it's smart, and not a lot of people subscribe to that. One thing that drives me nuts, and you know, you get this, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll bounce around the radio going in to do my show. I'll, I'll I'll get a lot of music because quite, I've already done my work. I'm ready for the show. You and me on that, bro. You know, you know gotta I mean? gotta escape a little bit. Yeah, I, I want to chill out. I'll throw some politics, some news. I'll get the whole gamut, and, and obviously, I'll throw on some some radio, both local and national. But and the one thing that you get locally is that. And it drives me nuts. And I used to just have to shut these people down when I was doing local. I can't stand people who are unable to separate the present from the past. Like you're not destined to be a loser forever because if that was the case, the Cardinals well, the Cubs would, would never win. The Red Sox would never win. Yeah, the Cavs yeah. would never win. Sooner or later, bro. Sooner or later. Yeah. Unless, I don't know. Uh, no, you're you're right, Brown, but sooner or later, you know, you're going to win. Look at the Browns now. They're ascending. They're legit. I agree. Look at, the, look at the Bills now. One of the two or three best teams in the AFC. And, and I was going to, you know, you, you reach for the Red Sox and the Cubbies, but even those teams had, you know, a lot of playoff success before these fantastic meltdowns. I was going to reference, like, the Rays going to the World Series in 08. Think about how bad the Devil Rays were. Guys like Canseco, Wade Boggs, Greg Vaughn. I mean, those old Rays, they were horrendous. They didn't win the World Series, but they got there. The Cardinals made a Super Bowl. What? I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, whatever. Should have won that Super Bowl, too. Absolutely. I mean, they were also close to winning that game. That's what it is. Oh, oh, yeah. BT. Ooh, that's what. I hope you got a little bit of a hedge back with the uh, with the points, though. You know Just what? I maybe half. You got to remember, back then, uh, I'd like to think I've become a little more savvy in terms of that stuff. That was a that was twelve third. Not, not that I didn't know how. To that bet. was a big point spread. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was I like seven was and a half plus, or eight, dude. Uh, yeah, well, I, I would have won back. Uh, I would have won back a few thousand. Put it that way. And you I don't know. even know if that was a catch. And at that point, a few thousand. Hey, at any point, a few thousand means something. But at that point, 
you know, I was, I guess, 11, 12 years younger. I was getting ready to buy an engagement ring. Well, it would have been nice to have the extra. It would have been nice. Uh, trust you know, me on that. It would have been nice. <laughs> I get it, bro. But I, I'll tell you what. I've said this a lot and not a lot. I don't think they understand. Not, not, it's not an intelligence thing. I'm, I'm, I don't mean that. When I say people don't understand, I think they fail to listen to what I'm about to say. And, and you might feel me on this. Of course, you win a championship. There's nothing more gratifying. Like when the Yankees won the World Series in 96, I was in the stands, right? I'm obviously older than you. When the Yankees win, when, when, when we win in 77, 78 against the Dodgers, you know, I'm three, four years. I'm not watching. Yeah, it doesn't count. No, no it doesn't, doesn't count. No. In, in 81, we lose to the Dodgers. Garvey, Ron Say, that terrific team. We lose. That was, I was locked in. I was, I was in the first grade. I was locked into every pitch, but we lost. And then we go from 81 to 95, no season in 94, no, no, no playoffs. You know, Yankees are great. Expos are great. Mattingly, he's on his way. Canceled. 95 wild card. Heartbreak with Griffey coming around from first on the Edgar double. And then 96, we finally win. So, so I grew up my whole life hearing about the Yankee lore and knowing it from a, a historical point of view. All the names, I don't need to tell you who they are. You know who they are. But I, these eyes never saw them win. So to be there in 96, when Charlie Hayes squeezed that third out, I was behind the dish. I was in the upper tank, but I was right behind home plate. And when he squeezed That's a good it, view there, the old place. That's a good view. Unless the guy's trying to get the last out of the World Series by the visiting dugout. Well, and if you I remember was, the first one, yes. he should have caught, and the ball boy got in the way because you didn't yes. have the fence. And, you probably, and I'm eight years old, you're thinking, oh, geez, if the Yankees end up giving up a hit to Lemke and it uh. ends up tying the game... Dude, that would have gone down as one of those, like, well, what could have been type moments. Thankfully, BT, that didn't happen, bro. Thank God. But I was obscured from the catch. 55,000 people let they me know. They yeah. secured it. But my point is, outside of that, like, that was a chance. I needed that chance. I had just finished playing college baseball. You know, I was, I was, re- I was all in on the sport. Still am. But it meant a ton. My, my point was, I, about the Jets, I almost enjoyed the formative stage more than the championship. And I know that that sounds like, what are you, what are you talking about? The formative stage is supposed to lead to the championship, which is supposed to be the culmination of fandom. I just take great joy, and, and I'll, I'll hark it back to 1997. So Parcells comes in, first year, right? One in 15, year. disaster, co-type, and embarrassing. Way, and JJ, by the way, the year before that, we were 3-13. 3-13, three and 13. So 1-15, yep. Parcells comes in. I'm coming back from Atlantic City. That's if you recall. That's the the evening Prince Princess Diana. Her car crashed. It was I killed. remember it was. Wasn't it Labor Day weekend '97? I think it uh, was. '97. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was oh, either Labor Day weekend or the weekend before. That's like one of those you remember where you were type deals. BT. I remember that because everybody oh, stopped. Dude, it was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm incredible. And I'm in the car coming back with my boys. We didn't spend the night. It's probably four in the morning, and I had just got my first apartment. And uh, I'm out of school and I was, uh, I think I was, I was interning at FAM and bartending. I was doing all sorts of stuff, just trying to, you know, break into the business. So the, I, I've got six of them, we're all hungover. I've got six guys there who Lord knows what they're doing. I mean, it's just, it's a circus, right? The Jets come on, we're playing Seattle. I've got modest expectations. I don't know what the hell's going I, I know that they're not going to commit as many penalties and they'll be tougher, but I don't think we win. I think it was 43 to three, Right. And it was one of the most galvanizing wins as a fan that, that I've ever seen. Now, they went 9-7 and seven that year. We missed out on the playoffs. It, the, the point being, when you go from morbid or moribund and hapless to competitive. It's fun. It's, 
I, most people will disagree. Yeah, the championship is more fun, but that is a leap that is really hard to quantify emotionally. And I don't know that I expect the Jets to make that leap this year, all right? But they are going to come out and they are, for the first time in years, we're not getting pushed around. And for the first time, maybe more importantly, in years, they're going to have some of these, some innovative offensive concepts. When I watch, I feel like I've watched two leagues the last couple of years. I watched the red zone. I got my fantasy. I got my gambling. I got my national radio show. And then, of course, I watch every snap of the Jets. And I feel like when I watch the Jets, like that's one season, like that's the antiquated old NFL you know, nothing intelligent conceptually like on tree routes or, or, you know, run scheme schematics. It's the same nonsense that they did in the 80s and the 90s. Then I watched the rest of the NFL. I'm like, shit, this is what I'm missing out on Mahomes and Allen and all this crazy stuff. You know, these creative, innovative offensive sets and offensive plays. Bro, I I get it. Because listen, I I felt you paying for a whole lot of years watching the Miami Dolphins. Same sort of deal. On that note, you're a guy that's doing all this stuff nationally. Give me a team, BT. You're buying stocking for the 2021 season. Give me a team. Okay. Let's take uh, the Jets out of it because I think you think yeah, they'll be improved. Yeah. Give me a team that you're you're in on this year. Okay. I don't want to keep it to New York, even though this is about New York, but, but I, I do like the Giants. You know, I and I know. saw that tweet. So you were at a barbecue. A lot of Giant uh-huh. fans not happy with the team, huh? At the uh, the BT festivities. Yeah, yeah, we were hanging out this weekend. We were in the pool and, and half Jets, a couple Dolphins, some other stragglers, but primarily Jet and Giant guys. We were in uh, Warren, New Jersey, my buddy Keith's crib. And it was like, you know, 50 or 60 of us. There was a lot of guys, a lot of fans. And, you know, they were, they're kind of like us, Jet fans, like a little beaten down. You know, the, the old Giant fans used to be proud this time of the year, like the chest comes out and we're going to play defense and we're well coached and we'll scrap out wins and what. The, but the Giant fan has been taken on a ride the last almost decade or so where I think they, too, have kind of lost their their football sensibility. So they don't necessarily – they're no longer, you know, built. They're not glass half full anymore. They're no, glass they're, half empty. They're glass half Which empty. Which is crazy like, considering how many Super Bowls they've won because I would sign for it, you'd sign for it. But in reality, BT, think about it. Since that second Super Bowl with Eli, they've been one of the worst franchises in the NFL. The record I'll indicates step, it. I'll, take this, I'll take it a step further. Before they hired Joe Judge, they had the worst three rec, the, the three-year cumulative mark. They had the absolute worst record in the NFL encompassing the three years before before Joe. Now, I do think they're really well I don't I don't care what the hell happened with Kelvin Benjamin. I like Joe Judge. Me too. I'm a you know, I'm a Daniel I'm a Daniel Jones believer. Uh, they've got weapons everywhere. The, say what you will about Gettleman, and he was getting a lot of arrows, rightfully so, were being slung his way uh, the last couple of off-seasons. Last off-season, he remade that defense. So I like the Giants, and they're also in a division where I know Washington's front seven is a beast. I think Fitzpatrick's going to help them. McLaurin's is good. You picked up Samuel. They're going to score. They can run it. But Dallas could give up 30, 35 every Sunday, and the Eagles are nowhere. The Eagles are a three or a four win team if they're lucky. I think the Eagles will be bad. So I think the Giants will be in the mix. Uh, I like the Chargers. Uh, I really like the Chargers this year. Those are two teams that jump out. And it's funny, last year I do. Do you do a lot of futures? Do you like to? I do about five. I like to have a few root four. I can't do too many. And my thing is, BT, I want to have a winning record or a losing record. I can't do an even amount 
Because if I end up pushing, it's like, eh, what, what good I'll is see. that? Now, you know the deal with Vigs. You could still end up losing going three and two, Correct. especially if you lose one of those 145, 155, 165 type deals. No but doubt. I usually like to do five. That's my thing. Five. That's funny. I did five last year. I knocked in four out of five. So nice. I won. You were cashing. You were cashing. I did. I had the Browns. I had the Cardinals. Uh, I had the Raiders. I uh, forget the other two teams. I did well. But the point is, is the way I'm built, and it's funny because I know you, you know, you you do a lot of this and you you follow this and you know it, you know the trends and stuff. The only thing about futures, to me, I like the immediate, I want to know if I want or lost right away. That's the only I, thing. You got it sitting in that account, even if, even if it's a winner by like yes. week 10, yeah. you're like, damn, I got to wait until wildcard weekend to cash this. This sucks. Give me the money. What are we yeah, waiting man. Give me the money. I don't get it. Uh, but I, I do like the Chargers. I think the Browns. I mean, that's not really a sleeper. Uh, let me give you another sleeper. I think that. What's the number on the Jaguars? I didn't see it. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I think it's at like four and a half or five and a half. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up right now. Pull that, it up right now. That could be a number I could jump in on a little bit. Uh, they've got a lot of offensive You're weapons. in on the urban effect. Well, I, I, describe in. I mean, I'm in maybe to win a few Scott Olds. be competitive. Well, you know what helps, too? The Texans are embarrassing. The yep. Texans are going to be. I like having a team for an over-under where I can look at them in a division and say, two right. wins right out of the gate. It's a great Like philosophy. you could do last year with the Jets. Like, that's why <laughs> I like Buffalo and Miami as overs last year because I said, well... These yep. teams are what I think they're going to be. They're getting two wins right out of the gate, and they did. Yeah, and the other thing you got to do, at least pertaining to this division, you got to see what the heck the Colts do at quarterback. I mean, if, listen, even with Carson Wentz, they could have started one and four. They got like, uh, I know they're playing the Ravens, the Niners, Seattle. They, they, their schedule, their first five games are a beast. So the Texans are a doormat no matter what they do. And if Carson Wentz, even if Carson Wentz, by the way, is healthy, there's no guarantee that he's that he's still Carson Wentz. So there's a chance to maybe, maybe, maybe steal one from the Colts as well. So I would, I would look at the Jags maybe as an over six and a half. By the way, mm, the that's a, that might be a little, a little. That's a little well, hefty, bro. Six and yeah. a half is a hefty total. What's the? Uh, what are you laying there? What are they minus one ten? Over at Fanduel, our friends over at Fanduel Sportsbook sponsor the show. Shameless plug. Uh -huh. One twenty five right. for six and a half. Over, <sighs> you're getting a little plus money. Yeah, I was gonna say plus one twenty five. That might make me reconsider, but still. You know, minus 110 versus plus 125, that not enough, you know, gap in value to make me do something I don't necessarily believe in. Like I can say if it was four and a half or five, I can I can muster up a case, you know, even with the 17th game. All right. I can see maybe them getting six. I, I don't know if I see him going seven and ten. That seems a little ambitious. I think so, too. Final one here. Yeah. Yanks. One being completely out. 10 being completely back in. Really? Where's BT on the 2021 team? Uh, I, uh, last night bothered me, man. Uh, you, dude, you know what's funny? I was back Sunday. Dude, me, you me know too. this because you grew up with Mattingly. I grew up with Mattingly. I, and then Tino, I love a great defensive first baseman. I love a lefty bat. Rizzo fits the team perfectly. Sign him tomorrow. I want him with the team for the next two or three years. They sweep the Marlins. He's great. I'm like, all right, big homestand. Go five and two. Four back of Boston, wild card there for the taking. Heaney stinks. They get no hit after six innings. And now Cole COVID, uh, Herman is out. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. That kind of you game. know, there, there's a couple of games, and I know that uh, that you've you've documented this. They get listen, uh, right before the all-star break, we're up seven-two last inning, Astros, boom, we lose. That crusher. 
Uh, I'm in Disney. I didn't watch a ton of sports. That was. Oh, you just, missed out on the Fenway debacle. Good no, for you. I saw. I saw, I came oh, back. You actually saw, got a chance to see that. I thought you dodged the bullet there, buddy. I wish. I saw the four wild pitches. I did see that in the, in the same inning. At least you weren't in the building doing the show. I'm watching this. I'm like, dude, this is Petrini's high school ass, bro. I didn't even think we bad. had this at Petrini's. A guy throw four wild pitches in it. <laughs> it was bad. I turned to my wife. I said, this poor kid's not, his, his kid's not going to be on the team tomorrow. Next nope. day, gone. Gone. I, I am. Um, yeah, no, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm back in. I'm back in to an extent. But and the other game that bothered me, too, is when we had a chance to sweep the Rays and Garrett Cole got lit up like that. You got to drop that. That's where you need Garrett Cole. Last start to be Garrett Cole. Drop that hammer. Sweep the Rays. That was a member. I think it was 14 zip, whatever it was. And now he's going to miss today's game with COVID today's start. The thing is, the Red Sox, you know, studying not to bore you, but a lot of the advanced metrics on the Red Sox, the first two months of the season were 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 overly they were inflated they were Point not, over their heads yeah it, 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 it was unrealistic to think they were going to continue this so between them coming back down to earth i know the rays are really solid uh burials going to the blue jays but those sticks was a big pickup dude and, they're scary too look at their run differential it's, it's better than boston's it's better than the yankees and i think it's right there with tampa's that's I crazy like me too. I, I like them. I like them. But I, I do, you know, teams like Seattle starting to wilt big time. I'm not worried about them. I'm not necessarily worried about the A's, even with the trade. I think the Yankees will find a way, and I didn't think this necessarily two weeks ago, to get a wild card. And then at that point, you got to give the baseball to your hammer, and you got to hope that he delivers on the $300 million you're paying him. And, and he's got to give you seven, two-thirds, and scatter three, four hits, keep one, two runs off the board, nine, ten whiffs, and you got you to hit. But the Rizzo pickup, like there's such a different energy. And by the way, Gallo's going to start hitting bombs eventually too. He'll he'll join the party. But he's flawed. Though. You know what it is, BT? I was like okay with the Gallo pickup. Rizzo though, dude, winning player, oh, doesn't yeah. strike out, good glove. Like he just fit the team perfectly. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. What you know, baseball. When you when you watch baseball at this level, you mentioned high school, even in college, you see sloppy D, lower level of the minors. Cheater had like 40 errors his first inning in, in, in rookie ball. Guys just don't catch it as efficiently. But when you watch Major League Baseball, it is very rare to watch a game and say, man, this team just sucks defensively. Like they they got no range. You know, they, they've got no arms. They've got no attitude. They've got no upside. And every night outside of Geo, um, you know, the Glaber's he's not a shortstop. I mean, DJ, I, I prefer him at second rather than first. Now we could go there. You know what, what the story is behind the dish. Everybody in the outfield, for the most part, either can't run or has no arm. So it's all these things. It's like now it's at least nice to watch them, you know, play. It, it's a more functional, more cohesive team. Rizzo's brought a lot. So, yeah, I'm back in. But there was a point two weeks ago. Even a week, I'm like, this team's dead. They're just illy, poorly conceived and constructed. Cashman's dropped the ball. Gardner should be cut. Uh, and, and they're going nowhere. And uh, But I, I do feel differently now. Yeah, I do. Bro, thanks so much for doing this. I expect yeah, you man. hitting some bombs on the golf course soon. <laughs> uh, you got to see the remade, revamped iron game, bro. The Callaway Mavericks, they work wonders, dude. I mean, no, listen, no, it's, a you, it's a low what bar. It's a low bar. What are you shooting these days? Uh, well, it depends on the day. I had a career best on Sunday where I played out of my mind and uh -huh. I was with my biggest hater on the planet and we put a 90 up on the scorecard. Now, nice. here's the key. Continuing that, I put up a 94 yesterday. 
But right. the next time you're out, BT, it could be a 105. You know the I've deal, dude. So no, it's, it's about stringing them together, man. So, you know, if it's yeah. under 100 and now that it's under 95, we're starting to get greedy a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. But listen, by the way, you got 40 seconds. I got to hit you with yeah. a golf stool or what? Of course. All right. So we, I got the boys trip every year. We've been doing it since college, but we usually go down to Myrtle, right? And go away for a week and we rent something on the beach, blah, 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 right? So, you know, we're like, we'll, we'll pump, we'll, we won't fly one more year. And so we get a house up in the Poconos and we play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A lot of golf. Okay. Oh, every day. I mean, nice. every night by the fire, you know, banging back scotch and doing Lord knows what with the tunes and hanging and every day playing, you know, playing golf, right? Same crew. So I've been playing pretty decent. And the third day I come out and I hole out, hit a good drive. This is the first hole, hit a good drive, pull my approach out to the right. Pull out for a birdie on one. I'm like, Ooh, okay. okay. But but I was, first of all, I was so hungover and so tired. Like I was like, I didn't even yell. I was like, I just gave one of these, like, you know, all right, here we go. We'll see. Birdie. I shoot a 40 deuce on the front, which, you know, I've been there before, but a good 42. I'm like, okay, here we, it's of course, I never buck kills out in PA. The 10th hole, true story, dude, birdie. The 11th hole, birdie. <laughs> so now I got a 42. I got, I'm sorry, ten, my bad. 10 was par, 11 birdie, 12 birdie. 42, par, birdie, birdie. Yeah, you're, you're feeling frisky. I would I'm be. I'm feeling insane. I mean, just keep the head straight. That's the challenge. As I'm, I'm, I hit a bomb, but really, I, I went over a tree. I cut a, a doggy in half. Got like 93 yards with my, my gap wedge hitting, sitting one uh, on getting ready to hopefully get a birdie. My buddy goes, he goes, dude, he goes, I don't know. He goes, my watch, my, he's got the GPS. He goes, my watch says 777 yards. I go, I, get, fuck, get out, just get away from me. I, just get out of here. Don't, don't bother me with your nonsensical dribble. I've got two birdies and I'm sitting one. I just did a bomb, whatever. Birdie that hole. We pull up to the next tee box and it says 15. He goes, B man. He goes, we skipped a few holes, dude. You, you cannot be kidding. Oh, no. So they were all, none of them are playing well. They were all, and they, you know, they, they've, they've known me my whole life. So they know the old B man could be a little frisky, a little nuts. So they're like kind of laying out. And I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm seething. I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to, I'm, what am I going to do? Right. I said, all right, guys, we'll play 15, 16, 17, 18. We'll finish out. I'll go to the clubhouse and I'll say, hey, we made a wrong turn. Can we, I'm playing, I'm having the round of my life. Can we please go back out? That's what we do, right? I finished up strong. No more birdies. Finished up pretty strong. Long story short, run into the clubhouse. This old guy, great guy. I, go, I sir, you got to help me. I, I'm, I'm around in my life. I don't know what the hell I did after the after the tenth hole, but I made. I went the wrong way. I skipped three. Can you help me? He goes, ah, we're crowded. I'm like, that's the last thing I wanted to no, hear. No, I don't want to hear that right now. No, I don't care how crowded you are. My buddies can go home. I'm finishing this round, no matter what. We get back out pretty quickly. Actually, pulled a few strings. Solid move. Double bogey, <laughs> par, which was a miracle because I felt like a to totally different golfer at this point. Double bogey, so I shot an eighty-three, but that would that day had high seventies on my that that should have been the bro, day. That will be forever, BT. The what could have been day? Let's be oh, honest, yeah. bro. That's the <laughs> what could have been day. Because if you're playing in order gonna... and you're in the groove, maybe those double bogeys are not on the scorecard, brother. So listen, AJ, when we're getting out, bro. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, see yeah. any double bogeys from you. I want I, I want sub 80. I'm going to bring the good juju and you're going to have sub 80. How about that? 
Well, I can tell you this, a good chance you won't see three birdies. That's the first time I've ever had three birdies in my life. But you bring the juju. I got a couple beers. We'll knock it around. We'll have some fun. I right? like it. BT, thanks for doing this, bro. Appreciate it, right? Hey, hey, by the way, I should have said this at the top. Very happy for you. Very proud of you. I remember when I first heard you, I said, this guy is a lunatic. Yeah, that's sounds about like, right. That, yeah. That's why I like you. Keep doing your thing, man. You sound great, buddy. I appreciate that. Brandon Tierney, we're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So here in BT, go through some of the totals and some of those gambling stories. Folks, I'm, I am so ready to lock in my over-unders. You know, I ran into a buddy at the Yankee game today, and we were actually going through a couple that we like and a couple that we don't. He was, like, all over the Chargers over. And he was all over the Buffalo Bills over. Like, for me, those are two stayaways. I like the Buffalo one a little bit more. The Chargers at nine and a half is going to be way too trendy. It's going to be way too trendy. And I am always fearful of taking the total that everybody and their mother loves. Because normally, in many cases, that total does not hit. So I'm still in the lab trying to finalize what mine are going to be. I want to go through a couple of preseason games. Not even to see what these teams look like in preseason. It's more the injuries. Because think about it. Look at Indianapolis. I was high on the Indianapolis Colts before the start of this year. I thought Wentz, even though I don't love him, was going to play well with Frank Reich. Great offensive line. Pretty sound defense. Young weapons like Taylor and Pittman who played well down the stretch. I, I am completely out now on the Colts. The quarterback's missing five to 12 weeks. Quentin Nelson is missing the same amount of time, basically with the same injury. How do you like the Colts? And that to me is a lesson for why you have to be careful in firing these season totals until you get through the preseason. You might lose a little bit of value maybe with the VIG, Maybe the number changes by a little bit, but do you want to take a team and have basically shit hit the fan right before even the season starts? No. That could happen in week two, week three. I understand that. I'd rather it be in the regular season, though, as opposed to preseason games. And how about the little tussle at Giant Camp today? And I love Joe Judge. I, I can't stress that enough. The way he commands a team, the way he gets in there, He's, he's a lunch pail kind of guy. He is somebody that in many ways, even though he's a Philly guy, he symbolizes that sort of toughness we want out of our leaders. If you're a Knicks fan, you saw it with Tom Thibodeau a season ago. Judge gets after it. Now, I don't know if over five, six, seven years, he's going to be a top flight, successful NFL head coach. I would bet yes. Assuming, of course, the Giants get the right quarterback. But that brouhaha goes down to Giant Camp. It's amazing. I didn't see any video footage from it. You know, I get it. You can only have 
the reporters at training camp for a certain period of time, and they're far away, so they're not going to get you know great action. They might not even be allowed to take videos for all I know. I, I would have loved to have seen a little bit of video. And bad news here with Galladay getting hurt. That's the fear with Kenny Galladay. He is a walking injury. He is a terrific, terrific wide receiver. He is always hurt. You're not getting 16 games or 17 games out of Kenny Galladay. If you get 13 or 14, you sign on the dotted line. He is a terrific player. He will help this offense. He will help Daniel Jones. He misses way too many games. Remember I said that. Because I've had him in fantasy the last couple of years. And I can tell you point blank. Kenny Galladay is going to miss time. I like him. I'm a fan. But know that's going to be a thing. Like, I know my Dolphins and Will Fuller. Fuller is missing games. When he's out there, he's fast and he's productive. But he misses a ton of time. That's the way it goes. So before we say goodbye, Jeff Money and I took a family, big fat L on Monday night, riding the New York Mets. To quote John Lennon and the Beatles, we should have known better. Jeff Money, what's on the docket, baby? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This could be tomorrow for Wednesday, the 4th. I'm going with the Angels, minus the 155 over the Rangers on the road. I'm going to go Otami versus Alred. Otami is 2-0 and with a 1.35 ERA his last three outings. And Alred is 0-3 with a 13.14 ERA his last three outings. So I'm going to take the Angels, minus the 155. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. There's nothing wrong, Jeff Money. Backing a Shohei Otani play. And there's nothing wrong with fading a team like the Texas Rangers that is just downright miserable. You have to be aware of the fact that Anaheim tomorrow will be a very public side. That is going to be a game a lot of people are going to be rushing to bet, especially late at night. It's gone down a little bit. Beware on that. I'm not going to talk you out of it. Otani at 160 against a bad Ranger team reeks because I think that line should be higher. I think that line, even with Anaheim, should be 190, 200. 160 to me seems a little bit low. We'll be back Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll be back Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll see if the Mets can right the ship before a big series coming up against Philadelphia. I got a bobblehead to get on Friday, and we'll start setting the stage for this football season. Oh, I can't believe we are getting ready and getting closer and closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. What a thing of beauty. And before we say goodbye, how about my guys? Kevin Belby, my agent. Adam Weitzman, one of the greats. Eric Devendorf, Syracuse royalty. And all the boys from Bayheim's Army. Tyler Lydon, uh, Malachi Richardson, all my dudes. Bringing home a million bucks. Took him a long time to get to the top of the mountain. Nobody works harder than my guy, Belby. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous job. So good way to end the show. Stefan, fabulous job. JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>